welcome back to it's not off the record okay it is ask the expert and i know you guys love this series i personally do because you get a different side of all of us and we get to focus on experts instead of us being a bunch of dudes guessing and shooting in the motherfucking dark yeah making shit up and then pretending like we know what we do but, but I know everything. <laughs> I'm happy to introduce our guest for today. We have Andrew Chow from Boba Guys, our biggest competitor. I wanted him to come on our show so we could steal all of his ideas this for right Chumbi. Thank you very much. I don't know how you got convinced me to drink this, but yeah. Turn the cup around, get that logo in there. There you go. There you go. There there you go. go. Look at that. It's Make like, a meme out of this, yeah. It's like McDonald's and Carl's Jr. We got the CEO to hold Dude, that's getting burger. like Steve Jobs to hold up an Android. Yeah, right. Fuck yeah. It's like and smile. That's true. But no, um, I, I actually do look up to Andrew a lot because I think, you know, in the space of dessert drinks, boba, and all that, you guys revolutionized, in my opinion, um, boba in a way where I thought it was already saturated. And I thought it was a place where it was like, you can't, no more players can come into the game. And I don't know if this was your intention or not, but I saw Boba Guys as the bridge between mainstream America and Boba and uh, these Asian dessert drinks. So I was like, that's pretty amazing. And I think with Jumbi too, like what we try to do is we wanna you know, provide high quality matcha at an accessible rate to the mainstream American public or just the world, you know? We're gonna go a little bit further than you guys, but like, you know, uh, but yeah, so how did you get started in all this? And how many stores do you have? Yeah, how many stores do you uh, have? Let me write this down. Right, yeah. <laughs> like right now. 300? Uh, no, not even close. Uh, I were, we think we're down to like, uh, we, we shut down New York for a bit, but then uh, 16, I think, if I counted. Oh, 16 of them? Dang. And we were supposed to hit 20 in 2020. That was kind of a whole thing, but then uh, we'll be, by the end of the year, I think back up to 20. But I think um, so. So you had how many? I had seventeen, and in the One, okay. COVID, literally, I was in the middle of three, and that it was like the oh. worst time for COVID to hit. Because I'm sure you guys know you're shelling out cash to get ready to open a store, yeah. but yeah. that's you're gonna need it back. But in the middle of a build out, I had to spend money to finish a store, only right. to not really make money during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, and you you told me you were just. You're about to open five here in Southern California. Oh, right. dude, you got an exclusive already. Oh, wait, uh, is that a secret? Am I supposed to not say that? Five, five total. Okay. But part of it is catching up to the three that we kind of lost. Oh. So we had kind of the cash that we had to like absorb. We lost money last year, but we. Yes. <laughs> Are we gonna keep a scorecard? You know, Boba guys, Junbi. Friendly competition, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Right. We we need somebody um, to aspire to be. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah, it'll be like yeah, BK and McDonald's or yeah. Apple. Uh, although Apple's not a fair fight with with, with Microsoft. I feel no. Like no. Um, but no, we are building. We're building stores, which we'll talk a little bit about. You know, people think it's oh oh they need, they must be rolling in cash and all that kind of stuff. No, there's a lot of other economics that come into play. Where, sadly, part of the reason you can build a little faster out of a pandemic, I'm sure people can figure out, is there's a lot of open vacancies. Yeah. yeah. So it's just cheaper to build out, mm -hmm. and more people will need work because few people are opening. So the prices of labor go, goes down for build outs a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we had a, you know, we were able to franchise and get everything ready by early 2020. But then, as the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. a lot of the people that were ready to sign up with us yeah. were like, "Ah, we're just gonna wait this one out." Yep. And we only had, you know, two brave entrepreneurs that decided to keep going. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we were able to open one in New Jersey, and we're gonna open up three in Texas. I saw where in Jersey is? I'm from Princeton. Jersey. 
Oh, okay, that's further. I'm from yeah. Woodbridge, which is like okay. like Princeton's a little bit like yeah, it's a little further down. But um Wait, so you're not from NorCal? No, people I am from NorCal, but most of my energy, people are like, Oh, you talk like like yeah, super I'm from Jersey. I would say my mental energy is like Italian, mm. Jewish. That's why if you see people are like Oh, Andrew like doesn't act like a normal Asian. Like all the stuff that's going on right now, right? They're like, oh, that that energy is like that's kind of aggressive. I'm like, yeah, because when I was a kid, I was the only Asian kid in town. My parents ran a restaurant on yeah. Main Street. When you see people, do you just like grab your nuts and shake it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want? Do you want a piece of this? Hey, yeah, get the fuck out of here. What's up out here? Yeah, so I, it was next to... See, and that's why he's so successful, because he's an East Coast workaholic, right? Yeah. Well, that's... I am a workaholic, and yeah, it's a working class kind of... Jersey, the whole the whole state is a very kind of blue-collar state. So, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of Asians there, though. I didn't realize... Yes, yeah. It's cool. Like, how many Asians... Can I ask, what makes you go, like, you're like... You put on a piece of paper, say it's 10 years ago, and you're like, I'm gonna do a boba shop. What's step one for that, and how do you take that and turn it into 14 uh, locations? 16. 16. Once um, 20, too. Yeah, once 20. At the end of this year, <laughs> 21. Um, no, uh, 20 is the number where you start hitting into different legal issues. Mm -hmm. the, they call it. Uh, really? Yeah, you run into like uh, formula retail in a lot of cities where you have to go through extra hoops because you're too big. Uh, Which is good, actually. Like in a different category now? Yeah, they're gonna. I'm gonna be in the. 19 is our goal. Starbucks. Yeah. No, that's what people. Okay. You aim like 19. You guys have a lot of cool brands. You guys are smarter, right? So you guys build your 19 brands of all of them so you never really hit. 19 of one. Nineteen, 19 yeah. of one. Hat yeah. store, sock store, underwear yep. store. You could do that. Yeah. Actually, you could probably pull that off. <laughs> Just buy all these complexes with all these kiosks. Um, yeah. So how did you get started? <laughs> so we got started. True story. I mean, I'm not. This is. First of all, I'm not just flattering. I've obviously, I know you guys a little bit offline, but online, a lot of it, I started in 2011, right? Mm -hmm. But that was also when you guys were popping off with, and people know we're close with, you know, Phil Wong Fu, um, and they, he's got his Bopa Mofo, shouts to him, although we're not gonna drink him on camera. <laughs> um, so, when you guys started, I was watching, you know, uh, Asian YouTubers, right? And some of you guys, people know Boba Guys knows a lot of the, the crew is because a lot, of, I was a party promoter. Uh, also. Oh. So I had like hired like, uh, our group had hired, you know, you know, early day FM, uh, first movement stuff. So there was always this kind of like, hey, there might be a cultural play, right? I was in, I was, it's gonna sound super bougie or elitist, but I, I grew up, I'll talk about it later. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I did go to business school. And I, when I was in business school, I was in Shanghai during this like trek or business school trek. I was there for a month, and I was looking down in this area called Xientiandi, which is uh, it's like the expat area. My uncle lives there; he's a big VC. And I remember seeing a Hagen Dazs, and the Hagen Dazs was like super blown up. And I was like, I told my uncle Michael, I was like, Hey, I didn't know ice cream did so well on, in China. Like it, I hadn't gone as yeah. Does everyone get diarrhea from it? Yeah, well, exactly. Right. <laughs> I was like, I, uh, I don't want to overly stereotype, but like, do you guys have different, you know? jeans or than us back at home but then he goes no no it's big and you know american stuff is really big here i'm sure you know this and i said yeah and, and he goes you know he's like he calls me zai zai he goes like andrew like look kid andrew you're this marketing guy because before business school i was in marketing uh well i still did it a little bit afterwards but it's like how come you don't build a really good brand and how come you don't make Asian people proud of Asians? <laughs> Such an Asian, so, like, okay. yeah. He's just straight yeah. up, yo, how come you suck yeah. at the shit that you studied at? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you, how come you're no good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I 
loaded question. Is that judgy? Yeah. He came to my grand opening, swear to God, he told my mom, oh, I don't even tell this story. He's at the, he, I, not to be like, we have a book out. He, the last chapter is actually about him. True story, he actually even told my mom, how come Andrew doesn't dream bigger? Swear to God. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh my God. Where is he at where he can say this? Is he like baller? He's a baller. Or is he just like, he's yeah. broke as fuck just talking shit? Is he still ashamed no. of you? He, he's a big, <laughs> he's he's slightly less ashamed now, but uh, my uncle, you know, he's a self-made man. Yeah. He is a big venture capital, people might, if I didn't say, I don't want to say. So his standards are like, why don't you open up 300 stores? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing 16? Yeah, well, yeah, because he came, wow. he came to my grand opening, actually. I remember yeah. him sitting in the corner, and I was in the back making drinks. And he was just upset. And, <laughs> no, he was... He's a pile of cigarettes this high, and he's smoking one? <laughs> he was really proud. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah he was like... Mm. He, he, he was part of, like, I don't know if you guys feel this. People think, oh, it's your Asian parents, but there's other relatives that you fight for their approval. Right, yeah, right. right. And there's, it's crazy, because, like, whole yeah, army. And a lot of yeah, other yeah, ethnicities... It doesn't really matter besides your parents, but yeah. then in ours, it's like there's a whole like board of advisors you need to. Exactly. Everyone's got a thing to say, man, yeah, and yeah. it's like shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> but then they help you in so many ways too. Seriously. So you gotta shut the fuck up and just make them happy. Yeah. So basically, it was about culture. It was about like, all right, can we make people proud? Because I was watching like you guys, and I was like, for the first time, because before that, the only other time I saw like cultural coolness. I mean, it was before Fresh Off the Boat, so there wasn't really any. Maybe I saw Lucy Liu in Kill Bill, which was uh, exoticized, right? So, yeah. so you, you saw them doing wig comedy, and you're like, wow, this is making me proud. <laughs> no, you guys were making, like, films, and it was, uh, you know, all the dancers were making cool stuff. That's why I respect, you know, a lot of the, you know, I, like, I went to, I was at NorCal, so a lot of the dancers that we saw to go on, you guys know, we, I mean, we were talking to people before this, is like, uh, you know, ABDC, so I, that was getting hot. So what I was like, could that happen for uh, food? And Bauhaus had just started taking off. That's Eddie, right? And yeah. if people know, like, I love Eddie. Eddie's like my big bro, my daga, uh, Eddie Huang. And then David Chang had not yet popped off. So it was really just Eddie, but he was kind of like leading the way. And then so what happened was, we're, I'm also f then lived in the Bay Area. Phil's Coffee and Blue Bottle came out of the Bay Area. Mm. And so we were like, what if we took the culture of kind of what we do with the model of Blue Bottle? Blue Bottle was really, if you look at Boba Guys, it's who I probably emulate the most. What's their what's their model? They're kind of like quote unquote artisanal, bougie third wave, right? So that means like everything is a little bit more handcrafted, higher quality, kind of global mindset. I mean, Blue Bottle should give a little bit more credit to where they kind of took the ideas from. They're, they're Japanese coffee style, right? You mm -hmm. know this. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you and I love tea and matcha and cafes yeah. and stuff. And like, if you go to Asia, most of the hottest concepts now are basically Asia concepts that people reskin in America. Because Asia has already, because it's cheaper to build out and they kind of are a little bit more global than we are in America. Yeah. They're always watching what happens in Europe and what happens in, in Middle East and what happens in America. So these cafes, like the Japanese, like uh, most of these equipment things that we see for coffee, like Hario, these slow drip. It was invented. That was there for like 50, 60 years. Cause our, wow. our coffee culture in America evolved differently from like Australia, Asia, mm -hmm. and Europe. Mm -hmm. And like, <clears throat> cause I think in America, the Great Depression changed how they consume coffee. It was more like, 
more bang for your buck. Get yourself a huge can of coffee for like 50 cents and you get more drink, like right? Giant Folgers. Yeah, so yeah. that's, I don't know if that's considered first wave, but that was the coffee culture for Folgers like a long wave, time. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was like, that was the longest. And then Starbucks kind of changed the game because it's like you go to the coffee shop mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then you have the Pete's coffee and everybody else, that was that. Custom adjustments or whatever. Yeah, and then third wave or whatever is the more in between. But then you have your specialty roasters and whatever too. That's, is that even fourth wave? I don't know. Well, let, 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 let's help, but let's help people who are watching this who don't even know what you're talking about. Third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave. Like yeah. you, you, we gotta, That's what I was trying to explain. We, no, it's fine, it's, but I'm saying like, when it comes to like, you have an idea for a business and now you're gonna make that alive. Yeah. You're gonna take that from a, pa a piece of paper or whatever you had and you're gonna actually bring it into existence. Like what's your first step or how does that work? First step is what model do you wanna go after? It's what I generally say like, you know, a bunch of us probably mentor all other businesses. What I tell mentees, I almost always say, is like, what do you want? Like, what's your closest emulation? They're like, oh, I wanna be my own person. It's like, I don't know, people wanna be an actor. I'm like, am I gonna be Hugh Jackman or am I gonna be like Matt Damon or oh, hopefully not white, white, white guys, but like, what, what, <laughs> sorry. But what, um, like, who's your, what's your goal? So for me, it was Blue Bottle. So I, I was aiming for a Blue Bottle model, meaning I don't need crazy volumes, like, uh, like quickly or these like big boba shops. I was not gonna be overtly kind of like, like, uh, like a pretentious specialty brand. Yeah. 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 Like third wave roasting with yeah, single yeah. origin, you know, Blue Bottle was roughly accessible because they were in kind of like, you're just the upper middle class kind of, uh, like sweet greens for, mm -hmm. for salads. So when we were putting that idea together, it was like, could we do it? The number one thing was doesn't exist. But why doesn't it exist? And I think that's the real question. Like, mm. if you're going into a territory where it's never really been done before or never been popularized, it's usually one of two reasons. One is because somebody's tried it and everybody kept on failing, or no one's kind of cracked the nut of the problem. So that's where my marketing background comes in, where, you know, this is where I don't really, this is a great forum, because you guys are like fun and I could talk about my nerdy stuff. But to be honest, like if you're a true marketing, anybody who's done marketing, you fundamentally believe the future's wide open because a marketer's job is to create demand yep. out of nowhere. And so I was like, could high-end boba come out? And so some people said, well, if it if it was available or if somebody would have done it already. Boba's been around for 30 years at the time. On the other hand, people are like, well, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna convince people to like boba when, you know, like Americans don't even try anything different? Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm like, well, what if that's a marketing problem? So in the first year, we did a pop-up and we really you know, did it in a way that was like making both Asians feel proud, me meaning like it was cool boba. That's why we kind of started with like kind of the hype, kind of kind of hype beast world. And then with, um, with a little bit of Americans saying, hey, if you don't know what boba is, and you didn't grow up in San Gabriel Valley, Cupertino, or these kind of enclaves, Boba could still be for you because that the real honest question was, I used to I used to work in corporate right, so I'd go my and I used to work at Clorox, which is in Oakland, and there's a Chinatown next to the headquarters, and we'd go out for coffee. It's what you do when you were you're, you're yappy, right? Sorry, I'm allowed to say this on a different yeah. YouTube channel. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> is that Wang Fu's word? Yeah, yappy? is that is that no? Is it who created that word? I don't know. You're uh, the one who has to stand by it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the uh, some Asian professional. 
uh, with my colleagues, we'd go to, for coffee down the street in Oakland. But I remember this, I'd go to a boba shop, which was next to the headquarters, and they would always go to like Modern Coffee or Starbucks, which is these coffee places that are next to each other in the plaza. And we'd go back to our office and go back to our desks. But I'd had boba, and sometimes I'd bring them to a meeting. Mm. And I would then invite my coworkers, who generally were not Asian. And they just, I could tell you just, did, you could just read it on their face, they couldn't feel comfortable. Mm. So now you have a choice. One hand, it's like you shove it down their throat and be like, "What? You're so ignorant. You're so naive. Yeah. Like, how come you don't? You're just you don't even want to try new things." I can tell you that doesn't work. No. You know, <laughs> I was like, you know, make it more accessible. So yeah. what I had always done is sometimes I even like like milk tea for like friends and stuff like that. So, and I came out. Oh, I came out of the food business. So on top of that, I grew up in a restaurant in New Jersey. So my my dad opened a restaurant in Woodbridge. So I had already had a food background. I was mm. always very comfortable around food and getting dirty. I don't mind like cleaning up shit and stuff like that. So that combined was like, all right, could then there be a missing kind of, there's a huge hole. The reason it hasn't been cracked was a marketer couldn't figure out the story. Mm -hmm. And that's where I looked at you guys. I, I looked at, you know, what I when I saw between, you know, the big YouTubers especially, some of you guys crossed over a little bit, crossed over, quote unquote, like into not just Asian YouTube. Yeah. Differently. You guys were one of them. Cause I, I looked at your your guys's, you know, you know, sometimes it was super Asian, and other days I would watch and I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's all it's Asians run, but a bunch of other people who aren't just Asian. Mm -hmm. That to me was kind of how I felt like that model can work. Mm -hmm. So we just chose Blue Bottle and tacked it on with kind of the Asian culture. So you knew you were gonna do boba? Is that something that you chose and you created and then afterwards you're like, aha, I'm gonna be like Blue Bottle and then and, and make it more accessible and, and change it? Like, did you have the store first or, and then evolve or did you think of all this first and then create, make the... Good question. I would say chicken and the egg, it's a little bit of both. We, we essentially did a pop-up and the pop-up was called Boba Guys. So we mm. knew we were gonna do Boba from the pop-up. Mm -hmm. But we were exploring. This is where it's like a little bit, I don't know what came first. Yeah. How it really happened was my co-founder and I don't drink much, like alcohol. Yeah. You know, we had the Asian flush, which is a separate thing. And then, so we were at a company when we met called Timbuktu. You guys know Timbuktu? The backpacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a, I, I don't mean this in any way. It was just an outdoor-ish hipster company. So it was like pretty white. Yeah. So even when I went to coffee breaks back then, and uh, Timbuktu had like kegs on tap all the time, you know, because it's like outdoors, they always got tap and everybody bikes and has their panniers on their, their bicycles. So we were like, we don't want to drink beer with them. So we'd go grab boba. And so when we go grab boba instead of beer and bring it back to the happy hour, like we knew, we maybe thought we were going to do apparel, like a spinoff off of uh, Timbuktu. Because we both, you know, been my co-founder is like super fashionable. He's like close with, you know, Errolson from Acronym, and that's where the hype beast kind of stuff comes from. It comes from him. Mm. And then we were drinking boba every time we brainstormed, though. So probably for a three-month period, we were thinking about what fashion and accessories brands we wanted to make like straps or like cameras, which at the time everybody was shooting DSLRs. So we thought we were going to do that. Our friend Rich actually started a company that became it, which was Dispatch. If you guys know Dispatch. Mm -mm. Um, he, he actually became the company that, uh, uh, out of San Francisco, that actually was the idea that Ben and I wanted to do. Oh. And so, we, so we had a different friend start it. Yeah. And then you guys 
went to Bobo Guys and yeah, you, made, you we, got food. Like you were gonna do merch, like, I mean, clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you come from your pop-up shop and then you're like, I wanna do merch now maybe? So while we were like thinking of these ideas, every time was drinking boba. Uh, while everybody else was drinking beer. Everybody's like, well, oh, is, you know, San Francisco, what's the best idea? What are we gonna, what's the next startup? So every <laughs> one day was just like, what about this? And that's when it started the seed Whoa. of the idea, 2010. Thought about it for a year. We were like, what if it was food and beverage? Not apparel, but food and beverage. And that's when, by the time we knew we wanted Bob Guys, it was just a matter of how are we gonna execute? Like, do you go full in store first, which is a whole separate strategy, or a pop-up? We did pop-up, because little did we, we got lucky. The most famous pop-up probably ever is Mission Chinese, which is Danny Boeing. He was a street down from our original pop-up. So it was all in the Mission District in San Francisco. So we literally didn't know what pop-ups were when we started the idea, but by the time we had the full baked idea, we were like, why don't we do it the Mission Chinese style where mm. we go into another place. So there was a Japanese ramen restaurant mm -hmm. that our friend ran, and that was how we started Boba Guys. Wow, and the Japanese them. restaurant. Mm -hmm. Steph, Stefan, and, um, Stefan and Robert, they, were, they had no business actually letting us there. They just, um, they just believed in us, honestly. I, I, there's stories where, I'm sure you guys had this, how do you get your start? There's always those people. They just give you a chance, mm -hmm. yeah. So that Lady Gaga thing, there's 99 people in the room and or one, it just takes one person. It was them, because nobody else was willing to put, if somebody dies from your drink or chokes or whatever, that's the insurance is on the restaurant, yeah. not on the pop-up. So they were, and we dealt with hot water. I mean, this is a story I never really got to tell ever. We didn't, we didn't know how much tea we were going through. So we were running out of hot water constantly in the early days. And we, we, did, we, well, we launched pretty hot. First day we sold 200 right out of the bat. What, what made you, what do you think like help with that success? I think we Because most people, like when you start like a brand new, like a brand new brand, there's, like for example, when me and my wife first started Barrel Brigade, we went to uh, the California State Powerlifting Championships, I think in like 2013. And coming from like the YouTube world, we're already pretty big from JK. Yeah. I'm used to like 100, 200, mm -hmm. 500,000 people in the auditorium. I'm like, yes. cool, we're gonna fucking clear this shit. Uh -huh. So we go there, we set up our little, uh, our little WWF table, <laughs> and we sold two shirts that day. One because some some person came and just liked skull and crossbones, and they'll get skull and crossbones anything. Uh -huh. And the other one was Nadim, who was lifting that day, and he was actually a fan. And that's it. And then we're like. Fuck, I don't think we're good. this is gonna work out. <laughs> but look at you guys now. It's humbling yeah. though. That's humbling. It's it is humbling, but it's but it's like, you know, so for me, I'm like, not very many. in the first yeah, day. Not very many brands out the gate is like pow like that. So this is again not pandering. We what we the story that doesn't get told enough was we actually had a column on Good Magazine. So this is where, I mean, the alliances, that's why I-, I Like networking and stuff? Mm-hmm. This guy, Tim Fernals, was the editor. Now he's at Quartz, if you guys know Quartz. So mm -hmm. Quartz is like this tech, kind of like hip uh, online magazine. Tim, Tim Fernals, I don't think, if he's watching Tim, like shouts to you. He knew I was a writer. I, both my co-founder and I also wrote and did publishing and journalism when we were in college, undergrad. And so, he and I had like blogs that people read. He actually had a huge following. He had like a hundred thousand dollar, hundred thousand person Tumblr wow. um, called You Might Find Yourself, which is why his handle is YMFY, mm. my, my co-founder Ben. So Tim had read our writing and said, what if you chronicled your idea 
from the very beginning on. So those articles are still online right now. A magazine was called Good Magazine. The founder of that was the was the son or the heir of Inc. Magazine, INC Magazine. Mm. So it's his son who wanted this like do good, do gooder magazine that was about social responsibility. So he, he used us as a column. So there were for like 20 straight weeks, I wrote. So we launched in week 15 of the columns. So I think maybe I had eight weeks or something like that. So you built your following before the launch. People were falling in love with your process. It reminds me of this book called Show Your Work. Have you heard of that? I heard of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's and like, basically yeah. it's it's this mm-hmm. concept of, you know, tell people your process. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like how we're doing right now, you know, with the fans that are watching, someone out there might create or follow and, you know, mm-hmm. do something based yeah. off of that. Yeah. I mean, I watch it. You guys show your work all the time. Yeah. I remember when you guys were building out, um, you know, like JK Party or, because yeah. um, I was just a viewer at that time. And then as you guys built your businesses, I'd be like, oh, you know the JKA guys? They built a Barbell Brigade, they built this, you know, at the time, Sip Matcha. Yeah. And then I had known June, one of your partners. And that's when I was like, wow, like, but they have a platform that had an audience that they told their story. That's why I think the storytelling is what I think, if, especially if you're, I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things, but the one thing that people don't really, I think they underestimate is the power of story in business. People say, oh, that's YouTubers. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm that's branding, bro. Yeah, exactly. That's marketing. Exactly. That's, what is advertisement? It's telling a story mm-hmm. of how we're gonna solve your prob- your life's problems. Exactly. Right? But that, that's yeah. crazy how people don't think of it that way. Yeah, people are like, oh, you did it because you have great design. You did it because you, you, you cater to white people or hipsters. I'm like, dude, no, it's a story. <laughs> like, how do, I mean, I'm gonna say this, in the early three days, first And it's gotta taste good, too. <laughs> yeah, your product has to be good. Hopefully. But you know, people, for the first three, five years, we got so much shit. I don't know if you guys could relate to this. Is for like, they didn't understand the full story. You know, especially the way media works, right? They go like, oh, this is a snippet. You as an entrepreneur know exactly what you want to do with Barbell Brigade, with Jundi Matcha, you know. But people always, especially like, not they're not even haters. They're just people who just- Critics. Yeah. Are into the status quo, oh. that's how I'd say. Yeah. They're critics. Yeah. They just are like, they don't like change. They're like, oh, they're purists sometimes. And they're like, oh, well, oh, you're here fixing boba. I'm like, I'm not here fixing boba. What I'm doing is I'm trying to grow the pie. Yeah. And so, but I'm a businessman. So I always, you know, in, in kind of business philosophy, it's calling like growing the market, expanding the market. So, you know, when another boba shop opens, generally they steal from just other boba shops. Mm-hmm. When boba guys opens, we are taking people from Jonah Juice, or I call them Brona Juice. I love them, but Brona Juice or, um, uh, Starbucks, Phil's Coffee. Yeah. That's actually where a lot of our crowd comes from. Yeah. Uh, how do you know? Well, our employee base, I almost never hire from boba shops. Like, I, I didn't even apply. I get my people from X Starbucks, X Ice Cream, Salt and Straws. And, am I allowed to say brands? Yeah. So, yeah, ever. <laughs> Kim, Salt and Straw, sponsor. Yeah. Sponsor them. So that's how we, we, we kind of, the um, team member base that we call yeah. and our outside crowd started becoming the same. And that's why I'd never be honest. People are like, does that ever get to you? I'm like, no, if you're a decent entrepreneur and you have a very strong vision, if you know what you're doing is authentic to you, there's nobody who can question that. Because people would be like, oh, that's not real Asian. And I would be like, I'm Asian American, first of all. That's authentic to Asian American. You're telling me that there's, I, I'm in America. You're telling me I need to have boba exactly the same way as Taiwan, and I'm Taiwanese. No fucking way. That's like, that's, that's now we say it's racist. That's, that's a microaggression from you and your, of your own people. Yeah. Like that's, that's like you limiting yourself. Right. That's self, self-hating. What if you made the boba like red, white, and blue? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with guns on it. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have some questions from our fans that, uh, you know, I think they know who you are. Huh? But our first one is from Deep Effin Value. And he asked, how much has getting an MBA helped you with your work? And do you believe it's essential? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I thought the Reddit string, the fucking value, isn't that the... That's the GameStop guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's really him. No, uh, no, no. Full um, hat tip. I would say, you know, here's what I'd say. I'm not here to shit on my, my old colleagues and my old world, but I don't know if you guys feel... You guys had decent educations, right? So... Not in business. Not, no, well, I, I majored in psychology, but I think college was important for me because I was a dumbass. See, I, I was, yeah, I, I was a dumb. I was, I'm like a, like a, like a, like a. Generally, I'm just like a. I need discipline. Like, I think I'm. I don't know. If we, maybe we're all entrepreneurs, so I, I tend to be like rebellious, right? Yeah. So, I felt like college or any that type of institution, hone like makes you disciplined. It makes you get up on class in class at the same time. It makes you like not be crazy around your classmates. Like it kind of brings you in. So very few things. Like in business school, it's just another kind of tier. In grad school, you're generally, the, if you go to a good one, I went to I went to Haas, Berkeley. So you generally are quote unquote like cream of the crop, just how you get in. So at that point, I still felt people are like, oh, you're a CEO of a of a you know eight plus figure dollar company, and I'm like, yeah, but he's like, oh, you don't you don't look like one. I was like, well, <laughs> what are you supposed I, to? I look know like? what's that supposed like, to look like? A suit and tie? Exactly. I was like, do you think all CEOs wear suit and ties or they don't There's wear? There's nine like... figure guys that look like bums. Shit, dude. Yeah, exactly. Every zero, you just look worse, right? The CEO of hot dog on a stick looks nuts. <laughs> really? Fuck yeah. Dude. I can pull a picture. Does he wear that? circus clown and he walks in the room like this. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see what their all hands look like. Yeah. Um, they have a big ma mascot coming out. So, I think in the MBA then is kind of like, you can have things that replicate an MBA, but I think the organization, the system, and maybe formalized networks, where sometimes I do a call and I, I just say, hey, I'm like a, a Berkeley Haas alum, they'll actually take your call. Like it just, opens doors. Yeah. Because uh, of the clicks. Because, yeah, exactly, because of alumni. So I think, I think there's a little bit of that, but then you could technically get that through like the school of hard knocks. You could just be coming out of another network or kind of like crew, like, you know, you have these clicks in whether in culture and media and fashion, like that you could have came out of that in exact same for MBAs two years and gotten very similar results. Mm. I personally think the MBA had nothing to do with kind of too much the success of early day Boba guys. I would say now, yeah, it's pretty handy. Like my old spreadsheet work, my ability to, you know, we're, we don't franchise and not that, you know, it's bad or anything, but we we haven't franchised and we haven't raised series A yet. And that's yeah. what I want to also dispel. People are like, oh, you must franchise and dispel. I'm like, no, we got the 20 stores self, self-funded. self Yeah. Wow. So we're looking at maybe series A, but the MBA helps there. Because when you do that and you're talking to the guys who funded the first Starbucks or these things, they're like, Andrew, we can make you the next blue bottle. Well, wow. real quick, Series A is, uh, is the funding from the oh, banks. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funding from institutional, it could be banks, family, uh, family funds. Family All the offices. people that don't know, what are, what are the different ones we have? Angel and then, mm. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, this is. Oh, I never get to talk about because we're. I mean, yeah. in the room we know, but you know, like I yeah, love like, this. Uh, yeah. Usually, people don't ask these like business nerdy questions. I think so. High level, it's how you get money, right? So if you're if you're listening. 
you get money different ways. It's called capital in many cases, right? Like seed capital, startup capital, and then there's different phases of a company. So usually your beginning first set of checks is called seed money, sometimes angel money. And so that's like in food business, you know, usually it's like five figures, six figures, right? To start your first restaurant and something. If it's like a tech startup, it's like, you know, a million or more. And so when you do that, you usually figure out where you're getting your pool from. So think about the check size, right? So if you're getting five figure checks, it could be just family, friends, and all that kind of rich stuff. Rich uncle. Yeah, rich uncle, right? <laughs> yeah. That's how it starts. $25,000 start yeah. my restaurant. If you're starting a tech company, a rich uncle usually is gonna have to cut like $500,000 to do a tech company. So, or whatever, anything in between. So, Series A is usually, um, so you have seed, angel, early stage, and then there's Series A, usually is right when you kind of are, you have your idea locked, and you really wanna start kind of like, making it like have market viability. So, you know, food, Series A is usually like, it's definitely seven figures or more. So it's usually like five mil, 10 mil. Then there's something called expansion capital and that's when you get more mature. That's sometimes venture capital. So venture capital is any early stage venture, meaning from seed money all the way to like early stage is venture money. So you can have angels under venture capital as well. I'm a venture angel. I, people know that I also invest in other companies. So the check sizes I cut are like five figures on early day food concepts or, or tech companies. So that's like 10 to 90,000. Yeah, exactly, okay. that's exactly. So I like to cut 25 to $50,000 checks. So um, I only say this not to like, it's just, people never know. This is not on the internet. And I want people to understand how this whole ecosystem works. Well, a lot of people that don't understand entrepreneur talk, yeah. they hear this and they go, oh, you just throw money at people. Like yeah. it's, it's really a, a different language in how you deal with cash in like, um, mm -hmm like it's work like mm -hmm. it like it really is the take money to make money kind of system uh -huh. and a lot of this can just disappear yeah it's more viewed as though. like tokens in a game rather than Seriously, like money yeah. to buy the things you want to buy but yeah. most of this we don't expect it to come back when we cut these checks no we don't i mean you guys are i mean you guys invest in other places <laughs> oh, okay. too. like and some businesses fail some don't and or some some you're gonna get pennies on the dollar back but then you do enough of them, like a portfolio, you kind of end up with um, a larger kind of, larger portfolio return. So I guess the, the question of Series A is usually when you're getting ready to expand. Once you hit expansion capital, like really scaling, that's like 10 million plus mm -hmm. for food businesses. Uh, tech companies usually like 100 mil, that's like really the blowout, like these like um, billion dollar valuations. Yeah, That's usually what you call um, like late stage like series B, C, D, F, all the way through, or private equity. But private equity is another type of money where it's usually, it's a bunch of rich people's money really, mm -hmm. and they're just trying to hold the value. So private equity, it's funny because all of this sounds like rich people money. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like, it is. From five yeah. figures and above. But even within <laughs> rich yeah, people though, like how we know rich, mm -hmm. it's completely huge the difference because you have old money air money you have these funds that has been existing for like a hundred years or whatever and they just have this diverse portfolio that yeah. they've they have money managers that just throws money everywhere <laughs> it's fucking crazy it's nuts yeah every time you add a zero it's a new world that's all yeah you're that's true it's like your problems just become different that's why i'm looking know, at like this look at the hundred racks right here yeah i'm like oh when i first came in i was like are these real like no. you guys really um no <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if food and beverage business is tied up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Very tied up. And there's only about, you could count the zeros in yeah. your hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, also, like, well, that's the other thing too. Like, I don't think people realize how much money is illiquid, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. I can take it out of my bank account, illiquid. So, it's people like, are like, more like evaluation. Yeah, it's all yeah. paper. Yeah. That's what they don't realize when they're talking about billionaires usually. They think a billionaire can cut a check for a billion dollars, but that's really not how that shit works. He probably has like $20 in his bank account. And in order to people are like, well, why don't you just sell some stock? A lot of times, especially if you're the founder CEO, selling stock is like a huge ordeal. Like yeah. for me, I if I take Series A, I mean, there's already these, these I almost went through a process one time. Actually, almost I actually signed the term sheet, which I don't think people know. But... Uh, Long story short, the last week before the money was about to get wired, this is like four or five years ago, uh, we had a falling out. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit dramatic. And then um, that's why I've been so against VC money mm. until even now. Because ever, ever since that, I didn't like what you call like, people think they own you, yeah. even if they have a little piece. Yeah. So the, the, in these kind of contracts, they'll be like, well, how do you sell? Because sometimes selling your own shares, of if you're a founder or CEO, it's a signal, right? That's why Elon can't like just unload all his Tesla stock. Well, didn't um, Bezos do that and drop his own price? Well, yeah, so, like, yeah. Well, he did it and then every he bought back because it was like, I got it cheap. You got it. Well, yeah. Dude, or Buffett, everything he buys, everyone knows about and tries to copy by him. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So um, we have another question. Mm -hmm. So how do you attract and maintain customers in a saturated market for boba and tea? Mm, and I want to know this one too, because I'm like, hmm. Did you ask that question? No, no, no. It's by JKJK. <laughs> yeah, by Phil. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, everything, what most things that we buy or sell, like they're all commodities, right? Mm -hmm. So commodities are anything that's traded with intrinsic value, not augmented value, meaning uh, gold, water, drinks are technically a commodity. Anybody can make it technically. The augmented value of something, that's I'm doing marketing speak because I used to be a marketing guy. Aug augmented value is when you put value on top of your intrinsic value. Meaning, as a marketer, my job was to make status, exclusivity, special, a feeling. Those are ways you attach value on something intr intrinsic. Coffee and Starbucks. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, that wasn't like that type of coffee wasn't ever made before. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was never had the value that the market- Their coffee sucks. It sucks. It's it burnt. <laughs> but people love the image and they love the logo and they like going into it and smelling it and being around all of it and it's the experience. Mm -hmm. That's part of what you're paying for, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you can start a coffee shop, but they have maybe an extra 500 square feet so you people can sit around. Mm -hmm. That 500 square feet of sitting in the cafe of the second home that Starbucks calls it, the second place, that is value. They invested because they didn't, they built a store that's not 1,500 square feet. They built a store that's 2,000 square feet. That 500 times $4 a square foot, $2,000 a month extra to just have a space gets monetized in some brand experience way, right? That's why Boba Guy's stores, we're, our stores are bigger than almost every Boba shops. We have yeah. 1,600 square foot stores. And it's because that's more before the pandemic. Way bigger than these guys' stores. Way bigger. Way, way bigger. Way, way bigger. So much bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Bigger. Although wider, our Princeton longer. location is quite big, so we're <laughs> getting there. We're getting there. I'm gonna sell my Jumbi shares if anybody wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll snatch that. Up. I'll take it. Yeah, gray market. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy some bubble guys. Uh -huh. <laughs> so your goal is to decommodize. I don't get too far into it. So to so basically to summarize, like okay, how, how do you stand you out? Attract, maintain customers in a saturated market. So like, storage. How do you stand out? Decommodize. The, the textbook definition of decommoditizing things are adding augmented value to create differentiation. So um, tell stories. That's different. 
uh, getting access to things that they don't have access to and yeah. adding value to that access. So could be a product that's, I'm, Boba Guys is famous for strawberry matcha lattes or dirty horchatas or Korean banana milk. You can only get that there. Then you create a moat around. So people don't know we control a lot of our own IP. We just don't throw lawsuits at people. But we own the term Boba Bay because we kind of started that, right? I know people make Boba Bay shirts, but you know I can't send cease and desist everywhere because they're gonna say that Andrew and Ben are bullies. But I just I'm smart. If I see a big guy use it, I don't care if a small guy. Does like if Nike team. ended up using it, yeah, like, I'm getting you. Yeah, then yeah. I'm gonna drop a huge lawsuit on. Yeah. Little tip to the small guys right now, Boba Bay. Do it. <laughs> but if you got, I watch. We watch. Sorry, I might still send it to you, and it's not gonna be worth your while. But the idea is like you need to kind of create that differentiation. So. Again, you guys do pretty, I mean, you guys do really well for small businesses because like I see your storytelling. I mean, we were talking about your mushroom thing. I was just like, damn, you got me hooked on that all Christmas. I think yeah, I thanks, uh, man. I, I you bought like ten for your team. I don't know. I you did. got a ton. And, and this guy didn't yeah. give me a discount. He, I found out later that he had one. I, would, I, I didn't know you were gonna buy ten. Oh, I was unbelievable. I, I, I but going kind of kind of adding to that. So daydream s is it easy to start a business considering that a lot of YouTubers have their own businesses? What do you actually need to start one? <laughs> what well, depends what kind of business? Yeah, uh, I think in general this person might be. Talking about yeah, starting Food. a business in in general. Well, Retail? I'm thinking from you know a person who's never started a business, right? It seems so difficult because like like the question before that, it mm -hmm. seems everything seems already done, everything seems already saturated, and also if you compare yourself to like people like us, we have an audience, we have other brands. Like, how do you even compete? It feels like a you know task that you just can't climb over. Ooh, yeah, and I think I, that's that's the que that's what I'm reading that this question is about. How do you need to actually start one? <laughs> do you guys play like uh, like you guys play gamers? You guys do, no play games? You sure? I played games. He plays games. Oh, play? I haven't played in a long time. Uh, like you, Madden. Yeah, Madden was yeah, my yeah, shit. Yeah. So I think I think people in founding teams have like power scores like Madden, like you know, like Patrick Mahomes, like he's like a 98 in, in speed or whatever, you know, agility or whatever the the different overall. OVR. OVR, yeah. So I don't play much. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think it's very similar. Like I'm a big Call of Duty person, right? So you have a certain kit that everyone's built with, right? So like, oh, this is this is my sniper kit. This is my like run and gun kit. So whether it's in Madden or whatever, you have certain scores that you can kind of max out on. I think if you're an influencer, yeah, you start on an awareness score a little higher. It just boom. You just start with it. But boom. operation score, yeah. <laughs> education, everything. <laughs> but I think that's ultimately it. <laughs> okay, you guys, so you're you guys like, are... like use your strengths, find what your strengths are, and then you and play to those strengths. Yeah, because yeah. I think you guys are selling yourself short. Because I think you guys are good <laughs> operators. Honestly, I know because I've seen your. I've been to your. You don't know the truth. It's not because of them, though. You know yeah, truth. we partner with great <laughs> operators. <laughs> yeah, actually, shouts to all that I know. I know your team. He's watching. There, yeah. They deserve a lot of that credit for the operation. Goes in kind of like you know without yeah. kind of certain hype or awareness, and notoriety or whatever. You don't want to get people in the door. So it's it's kind of like this funnel and this yeah. cycle. So everybody has their part. So I guess if you don't have full awareness, it you gotta remember most people don't have your guys' clout. So instead of them comparing it to JK and, and, and everybody else who came out of YouTube and started something, 
I would just compare it, like look at all the other success stories. We didn't come truly with a YouTube following and yeah. stuff. We're reverse. We actually now, most people know, we invested in media. We went the other way. Hmm. We're taking our money and we're actually going back into producing things for like, you know, we, we, we do stuff with Vice and then uh, Complex, right? We had Hot Ones last year or two years ago. So I think what everybody has to start somewhere, we chose kind of a branded mm -hmm. route, which happened to be my wheelhouse, but I didn't have the awareness route. I didn't have like the megaphone. I don't think I was a great operator, so I don't even think I was winning in operations. So, and then I got better in operations, and then now finally maybe I'm starting to get a megaphone. Mm. So everybody kind of branches off differently, mm -hmm. but don't be disheartened. I think the majority of successful entrepreneurs are sitting out there, they're probably, if they're even listening and watching, it's that same mentality that is gonna grow. Cause I, I don't know if you guys are like this. I know when we talk, we feel this way. You're always learning. You're mm -hmm. always wanting to be like, how did you do that? That mentality is usually indicative of someone who has the right kind of like mindset for mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. Now they also have to be good at action. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching these and you happen to be very action oriented, then I think that's a really good combo for entrepreneurship. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew. Um, stay tuned because we're gonna continue this again, but that's all we have time for today, guys. What an outro. <laughs> <laughs>